Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, I have a wonderful guest with me today. Her name is Danielle Burnock, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Danielle before we get to hear from her. She is a childhood trauma survivor, international award-winning author, speaker, podcast host, and trauma-informed self-love coach who helps men, women, and organizations emerge with a clear vision of their value, take ownership of their choices, and chart a path to their promise, becoming victorious souls. She's created courses and workshops to implement her four-step proven process called S-E-L-F, or self. Her mantra is, quote, love yourself from survive to thrive, end quote. And she's known as that lady on the internet who loves you. Danielle married young, raised two kids, and did not come into her own until she was in her 50s when she wrote and published her first book and really started to thrive in life. Now she's founded 4F Media and the F's stand for faith, family, friends, and freedom. That was in 2014 to promote inner healing and personal freedom through the power of the love that heals using all forms of media, beginning with her first book. Now, I did want to end this uh, introduction of her with a quote that went viral from her book. I read the quote and I loved it. And I'm like, I am going to bring this up when I introduce Danielle. Here's the quote from her book. Now, the book is called Emerging with Wings, A True Story of Lies, Pain, and the Love that Heals. That's from her book. So here's the quote. Trauma is personal. It does not disappear if it is not validated. When it is ignored or invalidated, the silent screams continue internally heard only by the one held captive. When someone enters the pain and hears the screams, healing can begin. Danielle, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I love the quote. As Since I'm a psychotherapist, I know exactly what you're talking about in that quote. But let me just ask you and open it up. How would you like to kind of bring my audience in, my listeners, and sort of understand the twists and turns of how you got to be where you are right now? Oh, that's a really big story. That's why I have a whole book about it. The twists and turns. Ugh. I want to just give a shout out actually to my counselor because you you did that quote and I'm, I'm getting stuck on that and remembering what an, that was an epiphany for me, that quote in the book. And the people I had helped me edit that book. When they read that, they're like, wow, that's really good. I'm like, yeah, I thought so too. Because it was an epiphany. It wasn't like, oh, I wrote that so good. It was an epiphany because people compare their traumas. Like you must know that as a therapist. And I had diminished mine. I 
didn't even recognize some of mine as trauma. And I compared them to a tsunami or 9-11 or the Sandy Hook massacre and stuff like that. And I remember talking with my counselor about that. She said, you can't compare those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and she was just so wise. She was such, such a gift to me. I'd been through other counselors that were not. So I'm just very thankful for that counselor who really did help me. And I guess I want to give her a little credit for helping me to arrive at the truth of that quote, the trauma is personal. You cannot compare it with other things. You don't do yourself justice. You don't do anyone else justice. And I had such a huge pile of trauma that I'm now able to say that. I couldn't say that before. It was like, oh, maybe, you know, I had a rough childhood. I had, you know, diminishing it. And I hear people do that all the time. They say, I didn't have any trauma. And then I hear about their childhood. I'm like, well, do you have any of this, that, and the other thing, like various different side effects of how we acted out when we haven't dealt with it? Because yeah. as you know, trauma is not, you know, the incidents, it's what's left behind. <laughs> it's the wound in there that cripples you so that you can't behave in a way that's healthy. And I had a lot of that because I had deaths. I had multiple deaths. I had bullying and humiliation and shaming and attacking my identity through my name. Because in 1988, I legally changed my first name. So that's a part of my story as well. It's a very long and winding road, you know, trauma at school, at home, at church, in the neighborhood. It's like wherever it could happen, it happened. It was like every which way, but I was, I just knew I was a mess, but I didn't learn the word trauma until I stumbled on a book in a bookstore. I went, oh, that's a thing. Well, and you know, you have a wonderful point and I wanted to bring it up too. for, you know, listeners, if you happen to be someone who's gone through some trauma, it, it's not just the different traumas, but it's also the different personalities because something that might really, really impact me, for example, might not impact somebody else so much. So it's kind of like if you, if it was a trauma to you, it's a trauma to you. It's like, it doesn't matter that so-and-so went through the same thing and they're doing supposedly just fine. And the, the comparison of traumas, it's just like you said earlier, so well, it's just, if you experienced it as trauma, then that's your trauma and trying to be able to acknowledge that because you can't really do anything about it until you've acknowledged what it is. So that was an excellent point. Right. Yeah. You have to validate it. You have to see it for what it is. You have to call it what it is. Mm -hmm. It it won't just go away. As you know, it goes underground. I use the example of like a beach ball. If you hold that under the water, it will just, once you let go, it comes flying up. But it's also because mm-hmm. it's a wound, if you don't tend to it and you shove it down, it's like rubbing dirt in it. And every time you do that, it gets more and more and more infected. Yep. Yeah. And you have to have a safe place to be able to to let that come up and it, with safe people and a safe environment so that you don't get re-traumatized. Exactly. That reminds me of something with the safe thing. You brought that up and I'd mentioned to you about boundaries. And yeah. for you to bring up that safe, a friend of mine had... She had a group in her home and she called it safe group. That's what Mm. she called it. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So I haven't talked about this in a long time and it's in my book, but it was a huge part of one of the big pieces of my healing is there were just a few of us, maybe six or eight of us 
in this group. And we watched the video teaching on boundaries, but it was called safe group. Nothing was to leave there. And we were going to share with one another things that we could keep there and hold safe. I'd never had a place like that ever before. And it was the first place I ever dared to say out loud in front of another person mm -hmm. that I felt like I did not have the right to exist, that I hated myself that badly, that I didn't believe that I had the right to even exist. And come to find out there was someone else in that group that felt the exact same way. Oh, wow. And it was so validating for both of us in the beginning of us, you know, other people coming around us and encouraging us, validating those feelings, but pulling us out of them because it's a lie. <laughs> yeah. you know, God gave us breath. We have the right to exist. So he gave us breath on purpose. Well, it's just like, like you're pointing out, the the environment has to be safe for mm -hmm. you to to feel comfortable bringing that out. And that's one of the things I think that we're all doing with our podcast, in a sense, is we're trying to reach out to people to create a situation where they can feel, you know what, it, it's okay that I feel the way that I feel. It, it's okay. What I went through, I can, I can talk about it because, you know what, I heard so-and-so on the, you know, Phoenix and Flame podcast, I heard Danielle talk about it on Phoenix and Flame. You know what, if she went through it, if she talked about it, then maybe I can, maybe it's okay. I went through that. Maybe I actually was traumatized. Maybe I can talk about it like Danielle did and find a safe person. I think that's a lot of why we're doing what we're doing in podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So for you, because you had mentioned your kind of it all started with the, the childhood trauma, you said a childhood trauma survivor. And I love the way you worded that because you are, and really there's a theme that you have throughout what you're, what you're putting together for the community out there is to, to move through it and to, from survive to thrive. And that right. really fits very much the Phoenix and flame pushing through and transforming, even when you feel like a pile of ash. So it yeah. really kind of aligns with what Phoenix and flame is all about. So can you help us understand what your life was like, what the situation was like when you felt like a pile of ash? Well, part of it was, I didn't feel like I had the right to exist. I had no sense of value. My identity was crushed. I didn't, it, I had no value. So my identity was valueless. I was worthless. I didn't feel loved. I grew up in that environment of not feeling loved. That's something that my counselor had helped me with because I was sharing something with her that I was going to get to the point of, you know, how some of these start talking with you about this and then they're going to get to the point. I was doing that and I started with, well, I didn't feel loved as a child growing up and I didn't feel like I belonged in or maybe I was adopted or, you know, something like that. And I was getting to my point and she went, whoa, 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 and stopped me because I was blowing that off. Like that was, you know, that was just my reality and it was my fault. And so it was, there was something wrong with me for having felt that way. I was still blaming myself for those feelings. And she okay. said, no, something went terribly wrong and proceeded to talk to me about how children are supposed to grow up feeling. And I was just astounded. Later, I read a book a couple of years ago 
I read a book by Dr. Janice Webb. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She has a book called Running on Empty. I tease that I should get paid marketing for her because I bring up her book <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and she is an expert in the area of childhood emotional neglect. And she unveils what it looks like and how it can take place in 12 different variations of the way a parent can not give a child what they need. And the one main one is well-meaning parents who were emotionally neglected themselves. So basically they don't have to give what you need. So it's not like they're trying to hurt you. They just, you know, if you want an apple and I don't have an apple, I can't give you an apple mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. And it's something I deal with a lot and I share a lot because people aren't aware of that. Plus it is something that's missing. Like if you were raped or you were beaten, you know, that's something that happened to you and it's a memory that you will have. But if you didn't get something, there's something missing. You don't remember something you didn't get. Mm -hmm. It's like a vacuum. It's something that's not there. And I wrote to my counselor after I learned this term and asked her if she'd heard of this term and she'd not even heard of that term. And I share with my clients and with my audiences and that, that you don't always have to know the terms to heal anyways. It's always helpful to learn the terms, but mm -hmm. I healed of that before I even learned the term. But now I want to unveil that to people because what it is, is a child has emotional needs and to be emotionally neglected means that you didn't get what you needed. And every child has a different type of need. Some people, some kids are more resilient. Some kids are more sensitive. Some are more stubborn. Some are, you know, you know, you, you say, don't do that. And they, they fall on the floor crying. You know, I mean, it's the emotional needs vary. And, and it's not, you know, that all parents are bad because there is no perfect parent. Dr. Janice Webb is very careful to say that. But it's like the child didn't get what they emotionally needed. They had a certain level of nurture that they needed and they didn't get that. And it's either over, you know, the long haul or maybe a specific incident occurred and they didn't get what they needed in that incident kind of thing. So it like left a mark. I believe that that happened both ways with me and my parents fell into three of the 12 categories in her book. But the importance of that, I bring that up first more and more because that's like the ground layer. That's what made me more vulnerable to the, all the other traumas in my life. I already felt like I was not loved and I had no value when my first grade teacher shamed me in front of the entire class. I already felt like I had no value when I was humiliated in front of the entire school when I was in sixth grade. I already felt like I had no value when the church publicly rejected me on the front row when I was 11. I already felt like I had no value when the bully attacked my identity with my old name because in 1988, I legally changed my first name. And when the people started dying out of my life and I prayed and, you know, my grandma didn't live, she died. Then I blamed God for that because, you know, he'd already thrown me away at church anyways, my perception of that from that right. trauma. It's like, so it was like layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. It went deeper and deeper and deeper. So it was like, you know, just, I'm going to just lay here and die. And, and I'll just like hurt myself because I deserve it. Cause I'm just so awful. And I went to counseling with, you know, I knew 
that I felt worthless. I knew that I felt unloved and unlovable. I knew that I had no emotional skills, though I didn't know that was a term, skills. I just, I was an emotional basket case. I mean, anything would set me off. And when I got pregnant, oh my goodness, the hormones. I'm, I told my husband, you deserve a medal for staying with me. Because <laughs> I, I did. I mean, it was, it was awful. The hormones just did me an awful. So I knew that I was messed up, but I didn't know it was because of what happened to me. <laughs> I blamed myself because that's what children do. Children blame themselves for their trauma because they can't blame the other people because they need those other people in their life. So they blame mm -hmm. themselves and they attack themselves. And so I had no skills, but God loved me. And God came and find, found me. And that's what the story of my book and Emerging with Wings is, is how he, he did that. Because I grew up in the church a little bit. And I got saved and I got baptized and all that before they threw me away. And even, you know, answered that altar call, did the whole sinner's prayer confession kind of thing. But no one ever like really explained any of that to me. So I didn't like really get it. Right. And then I got angry with God. So I went off, you know, self-medicating every which way and trying to hurt myself anyways. And my family imploded after all of the deaths because there were my mom, my two brothers, and me until my oldest brother died. And we had no support system. It was, we had no support system around us, nothing to help us. So we just, we just fell apart like a really tasty taco. <laughs> just made a big oh mess gosh. of things. And, uh, <laughs> but God knew I was wounded. And I tell people that because there's a lot of problems in church teaching. I love Jesus. I love Jesus with all my heart, but I have a lot of problems with the church <laughs> because Jesus isn't the church. Jesus right. is Jesus, mm -hmm. but we need the body. That's why he created the body. So it's complicated. So we, we need that. So I, I want to be careful to always say that because he comes after you because he loves you. Not because he's going to come after you because he's going to get you because you're in trouble, which is how I had believed after that. He's going to come after me because I'm in trouble and I did wrong. God's going to get right. you for that kind of thing. But I call him in my book, Emerging with Wings, the pursuer. That's his um, reference in there because there's the villain, there's the hero, and then there's the person who's going through the journey. So the hero is the pursuer and the villain is the jab, which is stands for a jealous, angry bully. And it is okay. the devil. I like that. It's the devil, it's the demons, and then it's my own negative mind attacking. So throughout the story, because it's written like a love story, you see the jabs wherever it attacks the person going through the journey and how it just trips them up all over the place and how the pursuer keeps coming and, and pulls them out. He came and he found me. So I always want to encourage people that he knows the difference between a wounded soul and a hard-lined rebellious soul, someone who they are not interested in God. They don't care. And God knows when you say that, but you don't really mean that. Well, and you know, I wanted to, to point out that I run into so many people that are trying to be good enough. They, they feel like they have to be a certain, like they have to be perfect before they can go to church or before they can pursue God. And that is, that's backwards. 
Yes, and religion has taught that, though, in yes, a lot of yes. places. They actually teach that in places. Some places they will quote the opposite scriptures that, you know, we're saved by grace through faith, you know, and they'll talk about that, you know, not of works lest any man should boast. I mean, it is written, but then they'll impose all these rules and you have to this and you have to that. And people who they are even in ministry, but then they have some failure in their life, like they get divorced because their husband was abusive and the church takes their ministry away. And that's wrong. It just says you have to earn it. You have to represent. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. We do not have to qualify. There's a song by New Creation Church. I love this one portion of the lyrics. It says, no other works can qualify. Because his works qualify us. And we're supposed to have good works because good works are, you know, good. <laughs> but those <laughs> those works aren't what qualify us. Jesus' mm -hmm. works are the ones that qualify us. We can't qualify ourselves. That's We're all in the same boat. Only his works can qualify. Mm -hmm. I love that because that negates the whole self-righteous kind of thing. Because, And I don't know where in the Bible it says this because I don't have it with me right now. But basically that if we did our perfect best from day one until the day we died, it would still be like filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. Yeah. So it's like, I find some reassurance in that because that means I don't have to try to be perfect to be okay. Mm -hmm. that, that's not even attainable. That's not, I can't be that good. So just let that go and just let the Lord just kind of come and do his work. And then we end up doing good things because of God who's flowing through us to do mm -hmm. that to other people, you know, to help other people. Yeah. That's, that's so true. And grace is so important. I get easily irritated at a couple of things. One is people who attack the grace of God, talk about it being hyper grace or something like that. Like you, you had said how I don't have to worry about being good enough. I could just hear the anti-grace people. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have called them that. I don't know what to call them. I don't want to label them, but Grace, when you really taste the true grace of God, you know, these people who are keeping score over here, they're afraid that you're going to go in sin. Well, if you really taste the grace of God, all you want to do is get closer to him. You want to, it's the grace of God that leads us to repentance. It's the grace of God that shows us his goodness. We want more of that. We want more of him. It draws us closer to him. We don't want to go off and be bad. It doesn't invoke that in you when you taste the true grace of God. So these people who are policing your behavior and policing the grace of God and policing this, I get really irked about all the policemen out there in the body of Christ. Girl, I'm telling you, it's a thing. I mean, I sometimes you have someone that maybe they're well-intentioned mm -hmm. and they just keep saying, well, you, you have to do this. If you were a Christian, if you loved God, then you would be, you'd be doing this or you'd be doing that, or you wouldn't be doing this or you wouldn't be doing that. Like they're somehow the gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. And 
frequently that pushes people away because they're they're representing Christ as some kind of a guy standing there with a clipboard <laughs> seeing if you're if you're measuring up to snuff, you know. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, you're not doing this for this person, so scratch you off the list. Yeah. And so then they're like, you know what? Forget it. I, if that's what God is, if that's what Christianity is, you can take it. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I can't ever, I'm tired of feeling constantly criticized and judged and put down because I'm not living up to this standard that this person is saying is what Christ is saying, is what God is saying. Mm -hmm. That's not actually the case, but it's just kind of like, that's what it feels like to the people Mm -hmm. that are hearing that information. It's like, I'm never going to be good enough, so why bother? Yeah, that's where I got. (laughs) Why bother? But see, the grace pulls you back from that. Why bother? Because he loves me. Because he loves you. That's why I bother. And he just, he like brushes you off. It's like your little kid. It's like the body needs, the world needs people who will represent that grace, represent that love, represent the, the true picture of the heart of God. And none of us can do that perfectly anyways, because none of us know it perfectly. You know, people, they have messed up envisions of their parents because they were their parents were you know whacked up and other ones that I mean we have our perceptions are skewed so all we can do is our best and our best has to be good enough and it's good enough for God because he looks at our heart yeah and I think taking that away from human input because sometimes the humans around us are the ones that are represent or misrepresenting what it is to have that journey and I, I kind of want to wrap that back around that comment to what you had said earlier when you were talking about uh, running on empty, the book and um, about the apple, that somebody can't give you an apple if they don't have an apple. And if you're being you know, raised by a parent that, you know, if they, if they were had some neglect on their own, they didn't, you know, they don't have an apple to give you. And so it's like, and you mentioned boundaries earlier, and I, I don't think I can get through practically any kind of a podcast episode without bringing up boundaries. But it's it's sort of like, okay, on the one hand, we can have forgiveness for someone when we understand they don't have an apple. Mm-hmm. They don't have the apple to give us, so we can let that go. We don't need to harbor you know, resentment and grudging and that kind of stuff. And we can forgive and understand and let that go. But what's also true is that if they don't have an apple, they still don't have one. Okay. And so we have to decide how we want to interact with that person. We, we need to decide, you know, what our expectations are for that individual. And so how, what does their, their situation and not having the, their apple, so to say, what is that bringing into our life? And is that okay? You know, we're, we're the ones that as we're adults moving forward, it's like, okay, I understand why they're behaving the way they're behaving and I don't hold that against them. And, and I, you know, whatever harm that might've caused me along the way, I forgive them. But f- moving forward, what do I want to allow? Is this okay? Because they're still interacting with it, with us with, with no Apple. So it's kind of like, what do you want to do moving forward from that? And I think that's kind of where boundaries comes in mm-hmm. when we're talking about the relationships and stuff. Well, with the whole thing with emotional neglect, it's different with children than it is with adults also, because with the diff- children, 
they need that to become formed. As an adult, we need to go to the store and buy our own apple <laughs> so that we have <laughs> the apple. So we have those skills, like the emotional skills. I needed to learn and grow and develop them. I can, I can do that now because I'm an adult now. I can learn how to do that. And it's different than abuse. The emotional neglect and abuse are different. So, I mean, that's definitely one to draw a line. You need to not let people abuse you. <laughs> but this is what you, I kept thinking about when you were talking about that is my mom giving her a shout out for just all the good she did. Mm -hmm. um, my dad died when I were young, when I was, um, had just turned 14. So I never had the opportunity as an adult to learn, grow, address or anything because, you know, he's not alive. But my mother, after I got married, she came to me and she asked if I wanted to be friends. And we, she was in my life and, you know, I was messed up. She was messed up, but we didn't get along real well. And I didn't really know why. I just, I know now, but I, then I didn't. But she came to me and asked if I wanted to be friends. And I said, yes. And it was through there that we sat down and started to build a relationship together. And we started to unpack our trauma together is what it was. We didn't know that's what we were doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. But talking about, you know, when my grandmother had died and her mother had died and when my dad had died and her husband had died and understanding those relationships were different. What I had lost and what she had lost were two different things and how I dealt with it and how she dealt with it. Why did you do this? And why did you do Well, I felt this when you did this and why well, I felt this when you did this. And so we worked through that. And my mother dealt with some of her trauma because I didn't deal with all of mine until after she had already passed. So I couldn't help her then. I wish I could have gone back, but she had dealt with some, but she didn't even know how to deal with trauma. We didn't have anyone in our life to tell us we had that and how to deal with that. It was after my mother passed that hospice was in my life. And it was through hospice and their grief recovery program that I learned about emotional intelligence and dealing with emotions and dealing with trauma and how to process grief. I'm like, this is all miraculous information. I could have used this years ago. Kind of thing. <laughs> and I, I unpacked a lot after that. And I wish she could have, but we didn't have the, mm -hmm. we didn't, I didn't have the apple to give her either. <laughs> right, Neither one of us right. had an apple, but you know, we did something together and Something I want to just put out there is if you have someone in your life that maybe whether they got an apple or don't got an apple, if they are willing to have a conversation and you can discuss this, then you can walk your way through and you can build your boundaries as you're going in there mm -hmm. because you can process that together because you're on the same team. You have the same goal because that's what my mother and I had. We both had the same goal. So it became a safe place simply because we had the same goal. We had no idea about boundaries back then, but that's mm -hmm. where those not knowing the terms doesn't have to keep you from healing. Although the terms mm -hmm. are very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. It does make it easier to talk about it. You know, I'm thinking about different people I've run into throughout the, the decades and years and 
I'm kind of wondering what your feedback would be, um, especially with your your emphasis on, you know, love. It says, you know, you're the, that lady on the internet who loves you. Sometimes, especially Christians, get really kind of confused and caught up in, if I'm setting a boundary with someone, if I'm in a relationship with someone, whether it's a friend, a family member, whoever, that this person is not particularly healthy for different reasons. And it's like, if I'm setting a boundary with that person, it, it feels like I'm not loving them. It feels like I'm not being loving. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone like that who has a person like you mentioned, you and your mom, that you kind of were able to come together and you seem to have somewhat similar goals and wanting to be friends and be honest and be open and kind of move forward with that, even though you didn't really have professional help and didn't have the words at the time. So what would your um, advice be to those individuals out there, to my listeners out there who really would like to have a good relationship with the person in their life, but this person continues to be uh, very dysfunctional and maybe doesn't identify themselves as dysfunctional and certainly has no intention of changing that dysfunctional behavior? How, what would you say to them when they're like stuck thinking, am I not a loving person because I'm having to set a boundary here? Or what does that mean? What would you say to them? Oh, that's kind of complicated because I have so many questions that would go with that. <laughs> like, have they talked to the person? Have they verbalized? I have, we have a problem. Our relationship has problems in it. And I would really like to address those. Are you willing to address those? You know, and would that person be willing? I mean, verbalize that. I mean, come out point blank like my mom did. Do you want to be friends? And mm-hmm. what's your answer? Well, if you don't want to work through it, then I have to you know, be very clear with what you're doing. Uh, well, then mm-hmm. I need to have some space here because what you, how you are treating me is not okay. And I'm going to respect myself because I'm going because I have value it's, it's how you communicate that I think is really important. And also who's on the listening end. I mean, that, that matters so much how you need to talk to them. Are you talking to a narcissist who's going to just laugh in your face and walk away? Or are you talking to someone who's going to go home and cry? I mean, what kind of a person is it that you're talking to? You have to yeah. factor that in. I believe you, you really have to factor that in. I have been on the side of, a boundary and be very careful here because I don't want to expose a situation. I've been on the side of someone drawing a boundary line who did not communicate and it caused so much pain that it was, I don't even have words for the amount of pain that was caused that could have been avoided had there been a conversation specifically about whatever the issue was. Right. But then you, you also, at the same time, sometimes people don't have that skill at that time, too. So in my situation that I'm not telling you a whole lot about and being very vague about on purpose, uh, <laughs> the person who, who did this, I don't think they had the skill to do that either at that time. Mm-hmm. And so then when you find yourself in that situation, all you can do is rebuild, look back, forgive, because now the reconnection has taken place. God has done it beyond words amazing job of reconnecting and what it says in Ezekiel, building that which is ruined and planting that which is desolate. He's made it like the Garden of Eden. I mean, way better than ever it was before that. 
But going through that on my side, and I believe on the other side, faith was involved. It's like, well, maybe you're going to do it wrong and you're going to try to not do it wrong. But even if you do it wrong and you're taking Jesus with you, Jesus, I, I, he'll help you. And then you can go through and it'll be horribly painful and you can come out the other side and then he'll fix it. <laughs> so don't let go of hope. All right. That's awesome. So Danielle, I want to make sure that I'm able to get my listeners to have, to have more of you because they're, they're going to listen to what you've said today. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I, I hear myself and what she's saying. I, I hear my past and what she's saying. I, I feel so connected to her. So what I have here is that you want the listeners, they can go to your uh, website, which is Danielle Bernock, spelled B-E-R-N-O-C-K. And by the way, listeners, I'll have this in my show notes. So don't worry about that. DanielleBernock.com. Mm -hmm. Is that where you, you would like them to go? Yes, you can access everything there, all the socials I'm on, all my courses, my books, my podcast, my other website that I'm starting, and even a place where someone can book a call with me. It, and they don't want to commit to coaching, but they just want a one-off call. I have a way of doing that, but you can access all of that at my website now. That's awesome. And I will put, uh, and I've got your, the book, um, Daniel Bernock, Emerging with Wings, A True Story of Lies, Pain, and the Love that Heals. And you've got some other books as well. And all that's accessed through DanielleBernock.com. Thank you so much. I, I just appreciate your willingness to be open and transparent and share kind of some of your pain and some lessons that you've learned, because I know that there's listeners out there that are on their journey and they're facing those things that yeah. you have faced and they have those questions and they have confusion about whether it's their faith or whether it's a relationship or whether it's how they view themselves or have I been abused? Have I been traumatized and trying yeah. to figure all that out? And mm -hmm. I would say listeners too, that if you're in a situation, please go, go to a therapist, you know, seek somebody out. Yeah. And if you go to somebody and I recommend going about three times to figure out if you click, because if you go to somebody and you don't really click, it's not going to be particularly helpful because everybody's different. There's all kinds of different personalities. Therapists have different personalities. The clients have different personalities. So go. And if you go three times and you're just not feeling that click, then say, I appreciate your time. I think I'm going to look elsewhere until you find that person that right. clicks with you and you feel safe with. And that way you can kind of start your journey to maybe find the terms and ask the questions and have the safe place where you can really move forward. Yeah, get to the bottom of it. You have to get to the bottom of the why. Why is this happening? Why are you behaving this way? Why are you triggered by that? Why are you triggered in that way? There's a reason for everything. And you have to get to the bottom of the reason. Oh, Danielle, that is 100% right. I, I, when I'm, when I'm talking to my patients, I'm like, you know what, if we're confused about something, that's just because we don't have all the information, right? Because I guarantee you, once we have all the pieces, mm -hmm. it'll all make sense. Yes. And so once we have the why of it, then it's like, okay, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. Now we know why this is happening, which mm -hmm. is crucial to know, but then, okay, that's interesting. Now what? 
Mm-hmm. Now moving forward, what am I going to do about that? And how is that impacting my life? So right. a therapist is, is so essential in helping you to do that. Right. All right, Danielle, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me. I, you pulled things out of me. I had don't think I've ever shared on a podcast interview yet. So thank you. I like them to all be different. <laughs> all right, guys. I know that you've heard something today that has been so, so helpful and meaningful. And maybe even if it's not for you, maybe you have a, a friend or a coworker or a relative that you're thinking, oh my gosh, they need to hear this. They need to hear what Daniel has to say. Then please take the link from the podcast and put it, send it to their text, send it to them through email, put it on your favorite social media platforms, get the interview out there so that we can build our Phoenix and Flame community so we can reach out to one another and know that none of us are alone. We're all walking together and we can help each other do that. So I hope you've had a wonderful day. I hope the rest of your day goes fantastic. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.